0: Should we do loser? Uh, should I do a loser? You can
1: yeah, go ahead. I mean, if it fits your, if it's you, uh, I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> Shout to my Blue. man. Get- let's, call, let's call this a fight, Mike. <laughs> uh, can, can, I walk <laughs> off, can I walk off right now? I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. You're such a bully. <laughs> I had to say it. It was right there for me. You're so toxic! You're so toxic! <laughs>
1: Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to Laced Up, and as you might see right now, unfortunately, our boy Coop is on vacation. Has been
0: fired from the podcast. Oh. 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 Well, um, I didn't yeah, know. No. <laughs> I it's no. It's like telling a child uh,
1: that their dog <laughs> ran away. Coop, right. I'm sorry dude, right. you're gone.
0: Wait, um, no. right, wait, wait, wait! Are you are you saying that I'm the child here? But no, <laughs> no Coop jokes. Aside. Was, actually,
1: Coop was the child there. This was not a rag on you, Tom. I think you're I think you're a little defensive because in past pods you've just gone
0: a little destroyed. Yeah. So in this case, so in this case, I'm the dog. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, brother... no. In this case, the dog would be
1: the job of podcasting and
0: i don't get this I, I i'm really confused right now all right
1: but, I, but I, you know what the viewers at home are understanding this
0: like, viewers at home comment down below if you know what corzamba is saying because i i have no idea but I, i'm just gonna act like i do for the sake of the pod but yeah get Dennis like Coop. our brother is taking a week off we miss you brother looking forward to seeing you next week you want to get right into dennis schroeder
1: Let's let's do it. Let's do it. You know, what? I know you have some thoughts. I know you have some thoughts. (sighs) I'm going to preface everything with, because I think I might have the controversial thoughts. We have not talked about this. Um, so I tweeted out this, let me just pull up my own tweet. Uh, Dennis Schroeder bet on himself. And it didn't work out at least for now. Say what you want about the guy, but I'm not going to tear him down for believing in himself. Now we'll see if with the Celtics, he can go out and earn the type of money he thinks he's worth. All right. So, I believe in this. I got some heat from this. I lost like a hundred followers. First of all, if you're unfollowing me off of that, I don't know what's going on, but um, (laughs) here's my thought process. Okay. You know, all the time we see guys bet on themselves and we praise them for it. We're like, yes, you bet on yourself. And when it works out, we're like, that's amazing. Okay. Did, did he turn down big money? Of course. And apparently, you know, some people are calling him and, and it's early in the pod. We'll say a-hole. We'll curse later. Um, Some people are saying, you know, behind the scenes, he wasn't the best. Okay. You know, sure. I don't know much more about that. Maybe, Mike, you could speak on that. However, why when someone bets on themselves and it works out, we praise them to no end and we're like, yeah, man, he took the risk. And, you know, it paid off. But when he bet on himself and failed, Everyone is dragging this man, okay? So he also had a ton of unfortunate circumstances here. One, he obviously thought the Lakers were headed to an NBA, at least Western Conference Finals run, if not championship run, if not you know winning the whole thing. He thought that was going to happen. He thought he was walking away four years, a hundred million, because he thought he was going to be the third best player on a championship team. It makes sense. He didn't think that Anthony Davis and LeBron were going to be hurt and not be able to perform at the level they were. I understand the bet on himself for sure and also unfortunately that is combined with this is probably one of the deepest and most like maybe not most talented in terms of like highest level talent but one of the deepest free agency pools of point guards that we've seen like there are so many starting point guards that were just going around and dennis shooter you know he had a lot of people just you know didn't have the best opinion of him after the playoffs so he might have got screwed a little and now we're gonna see the boston celtics they gotta steal here you know of course paying him what five million is it right five million 5.9 million yeah paying him that is amazing he's either gonna start or be their sixth man i guess depending on what they do with marcus smart we will see if he's worth that contract this could still pay off very well for him next year when there are a lot less free agents on the market Go ahead, Mike, go ahead, on. go ahead and hate. I'm sure you've got some hate ready.
0: So it's, so like you were saying, like in your tweet, when you said he was betting himself, there's multiple factors that I think a lot of people were neglecting when they look at the Dennis Schroeder situation. The first thing is this is his age 27 season, right? So this is probably the greatest payday that he could have. So he came into this season and like the very first storyline on Dennis Schroeder, if you remember, He came in and said i want to start for the lakers i've done the sixth man stuff my for the past two years with the okc thunder i want to start alongside lebron james and anthony davis and the reason for that is very simple if you look at sixth men of years past like even going back to last year montrez harrell for example montrez harrell won sixth man of the year and was rewarded with a two-year 19.9 million dollar contract and dennis Schroeder finished second place to him last year so coming in, obviously the strategy is okay, if I'm a starter next to LeBron James, next to Anthony Davis, and I LeBron's one, gonna make me look good, two, I'm probably gonna have a lot more open looks and a lot more situations where I could inflate my stats, then I could hit the open market. Life is gonna be good for me. Now, at the time, the Lakers offered him a two-year 33.4 million dollar contract at like the very moment that they traded for him, which of course it was more of a formality. He declined it. And the reason why he was offered such a low contract is there's this very silly rule where once you uh, trade for a player that's on an expiring contract, you could only offer him like a contract extension that's a 5% rate. I don't know why there's this rule exists, but it does. So the storyline then was, okay, let's see what happens in February when the Lakers can actually extend him. So obviously Schroeder at this point Very up and down season, but there's also something that Schroeder had going for him on the Los Angeles Lakers. He had a ton of leverage. Like, I don't think people understand how much leverage this man had, and it actually made sense to bet on himself because at the time, the Lakers in February famously offered him a four-year, $84 million contract, which he famously declined why so a lot of people don't pay attention to the why here well the los angeles lakers if they lost dennis Schroeder, they were still capped out like it was going to be a downgrade no matter what there was no one that they could get to replace dennis Schroeder or fill in his shoes unless they somehow swung a trade that would move contavious caldwell pope kyle kuzma and of course montrez harrell which, lo and behold, this past offseason, they were able to accomplish. So he had a lot of leverage. And if you also look, we discussed this on the podcast before, Mike. If you remember, LeBron James' teammates historically like typically eat after winning championships. You look at Matthew Dellavedova Vadova after the 2016 NBA Finals run. You look at Joe Harris, how much money he got recently from the Brooklyn Nets. Granted, shooting at is at a premium. You saw what the contract Kevin Love got, which he was going to get anyways, but I'm sure you understand, Timothy Mozgov, don't even get me started on that guy's contract. But historically, role players on LeBron James-led teams that win championships tend to eat. So in this situation, Dennis Schroeder pretty much had diamond hands to the point where it screwed him over, which I like to call him diamond hands, Dennis Schroeder, because he thought that if he kept holding on and holding on, he would hit that 100 million point. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, like if I told you, and I've even went on record to say this, In January, when I told you, uh, when when we were talking about Russell Westbrook potentially getting traded to the Lakers or Chris Paul potentially getting traded to the Lakers, even I, the most delusional Laker fan that I believe exists in our society, a man that truly believes that we're gonna get Luka Doncic in five years, even I thought that was a long shot just because the salary cap gymnastics would not work. So the fact that this happened to him is very unfortunate I don't think it's fair to play captain hindsight and say, "Yo Dennis, you should have taken the four-year, 84 million dollar contract." Cuz obviously he should have. But in this scenario, depending on his role with the Boston Celtics, it's a tough pill to swallow if you're Dennis because I mean, which would you prefer? If you're getting offered a max contract to play with the Lakers, you're pretty much the th- you're pretty much the third star to Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Those are championship contending teams and you fumbled the bag there. It's unfortunate, but it does happen. But I don't, I think it's important that we stress why he did what he did and how it actually made sense and how unfortunate it is that it completely like just didn't work out for him. So
1: exactly. Okay, so we are on the same page. I feel like with Dennis Schroeder, he, you know, he bet on himself at the time Did some people, it turned some people's heads, but it really wasn't until the playoffs, I would say, where, you know, that like, there was some people, there were some rumblings of people saying things, but there wasn't too much hate on that. You know, it was like, okay, well, he better perform. And then the playoffs came and then that's when people started to pile on. And people were going on and on about Reggie Jackson on the Clippers and Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson signed for around two years, $22 million. So he only got $11 million. So again, I just think, you know, I I feel like let's wait and see what happens with this. People are under, people are hating on him. I'm not going to hate on the man. You know, like again, he better himself, not going to hate on him for that. Uh, I think that with the Boston Celtics, like this is a godsend for the Celtics, honestly, because what else did the Celtics do this offseason? Like, what was going on there? They ended up getting Schroeder for a very, very cheap contract. And now they get to play play him and, you know, see what happens and see what happens with him, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart. I mean, I don't know what's going on in Boston. Personally, I think that they are one of the biggest losers of this offseason. I think that, you know, they're banking on their guys right now that are on their current roster to step up a lot, like guys like Robert Williams, you know, uh, Neesmith. I think that they are hoping for improvement there. Yeah, I mean, they end up getting Al Horford, who is pretty really old at this point. So we're gonna see what happens in Boston, but okay, uh, yeah, any for more sure. thoughts on Truder?
0: Um, No, not until we discuss our winners and losers, which by the way, I disagree on the Boston Celtics being a loser, but we'll uh, really? get to that. It- It's weird. I'm a Laker fan and I'm defending the Celtics, but yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't think the Celtics are
1: a playoff team after this summer.
0: No, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they did do a good job cleaning up their mess. You know, like moving on from Kemba Walker that didn't work out and bringing in a player that historically did work out, getting a player for the cheap in Dennis Schroeder. I think it's a pretty solid offseason. Well, that given was uh, what okay. So
1: I, like I said, that was like kind of a godsend. If before the Schroeder deal, like look, if you look at their offseason, what, what were they, what was happening? And Al Horford at this um, point is already 35. I mean, I don't know what we're gonna expect that out was, of him.
0: Yeah, that was mainly to get out of uh, Kemba Walker's contract and just bring back some guy, uh, bring back a guy that succeeded with the Celtics. And just, I think it was mutually beneficial for them to reunite. Um, it's not like a home run, a plus, but like I think given their situation, they did very well for what they had. And. They really didn't have many options this offseason either. They're not really a destination. But Yeah, let's I mean, uh, sa- let's same talk. was said about the Chicago Bulls until this offseason. Oh, here we go. You you want you wanna get into that right now? We could we could. I know uh, you want we could.
1: to. Uh you know, I all right. We could talk Bulls because we haven't talked to it officially on the podcast yet. Um, all right. So let's go we'll do winners and losers. We'll trade back and forth. All right, so do you wanna go Win. I'll go one winner um, right now, off the top of my head. Chicago Bulls, I don't know where it came from. Um, so Chicago Bulls. First of all, I'd like to point out that it is, with Schroeder, with this whole situation, pretty hilarious that Alex Caruso is making more money than him next year. Um, <laughs> yes! <laughs> like, I feel
0: like that's something that hasn't really been <laughs>
1: mentioned. And again, <laughs> like, I could have taken the low-hanging fruit on Twitter, I'm sure that tweet would have, you know, done really well if I was like, how crazy is it? That Alex Caruso is making more money than Den Shooter next year. But that's not how, what I really thought. So I didn't, I wasn't going for the likes on that one. But anyway, the Chicago Bulls revamped their roster. Now keep in mind, people are going, the Chicago Bulls. Oh yeah. Good luck being the eight seed. Good luck. Uh, yeah. Whatever. All right. The Bulls were the 11th Place 11th. I mean, you're, I guess, they're not a seed. The Bulls finished 11th in the East last year. Zach Levine got the big C word, um, with about two to three weeks left to go in the season. He missed an extended amount of games. We had the Bulls had just made the Vucevic trade, a lot was going against them. They still finished 11th. Now we're bringing in Lonzo Ball himself. Feels like destiny, you know. Me and Lonzo have our own special connection. Um, but we're bringing in Lonzo ball on an incredible contract. Actually, I think, I think this is going to be one of those contracts that is such a steal. So looking at this, um, we have a four-year deal next year, 18.6, 2023, 19.5, 2024, 20.4, 2025, 21.4 about. All right. That is a great, great contract offer. Some people had Lonzo, um, a lot of people thought that Lonzo was going to have to get overpaid, very overpaid in order to be signed. Uh, yeah. Like I'm talking, some people thought he was going to be getting paid closer to 25 mil a year, but Chicago,
0: uh, very I did. much. Yeah, I definitely million. did. What'd you say? No, I definitely did. I was definitely one of those people. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so it was also, you know, a situation, uh, we, we could talk also about the investigation. Um, but which I think we need to discuss but it's one of those situations where I guess well uh, what one of the things that I love about this I've talked about this you know at length on my own channel now but you know let's talk about it here um he fits in perfectly with this team we've already got uh now we have two scores with damar and Zach at the uh, guard slash wing positions and we've got Patrick Williams who fits in perfectly as our defensive stopper slash. Patty Will dropping 30 last night in summer league. Been watching him. I've been more hyped about Patrick Williams summer league games than I have been about a single Bulls game in the last four years, I think. So anyway, Patrick Williams is my new official favorite player. All right. I'm getting his jersey and I'm getting Lonzo's jersey. Um, as soon as Lonzo's jersey is officially, you know, able to be got, I'm getting him. Lonzo fits in perfectly right next to Zach. He's a playmaker at heart. He is the kind of guy that if he gets six to eight shots in a game, he's not going to walk off the court mad. He is a an above average defender who took a step back defensively numbers-wise last year, but so did everyone on the Pelicans. That team was just a mess. I think in Chicago, um, he's going to be much better off. It's just a much better situation for him. I believe in Billy Donovan. And I love, side note here, I love Zach Levine's defense on Team USA. When Zach... Was suddenly playing in a winning atmosphere when Zach was suddenly not the top dog. The man was showing some glimpses of clamps. Okay. So I think the Bulls defense is being a little bit underrated here. Um I could pull up the stat as uh you talk about uh anything you want bulls related, but the bulls defensive rating last year was I think you know top 15 in the NBA. And yeah, people like you know, say Vucevic is some horrible, horrible defender. The numbers don't show that he is maybe slightly below average, but he's not horrible. The DeMar DeRozan deal, I think the Bulls did overpay, but I think that was the kind of situation where it was like, what, who else are we going to get in these next three years? I don't think it was going to be anyone. I wish we didn't give up a first round pick. And I'm saying we, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. I hate when people point stuff. whatever. Um, I wish the Bulls didn't give up a first round pick in that deal, but it is what it is. The fact that suddenly the Bulls are an exciting team, the fact that I get to actually watch my team play basketball and cheer for them to win and not be like, huh, I hope we lose because I'm looking at the draft. And if we slide down two more losses, we could get a top four pick and not a top eight pick. The fact that that is gone is amazing. Patrick Williams is looking great. Future in Chicago is looking bright. I cannot wait to go to games this year. I cannot wait to see them probably, you know, against the Knicks and the Sixers Um, because, and maybe the Nets, you know, those are the three
0: teams in my area. Thoughts on the Bulls, Michael? So um, I'm going to give it to you guys. The Lonzo Ball deal, I think, is a home run, A-plus on that deal. Like, you only had to pay him $11 million. You got a player that... Uh, My number one knock on Ben Simmons has always been that this guy has been the same player since he's entered the league. Lonzo Ball is kind of the opposite. Like he's a player that entered the league significantly more raw, but the thing we loved about him was the fact that he had a tremendous basketball IQ. And it seems like his dad, just like, I mean, his family and the environment he was raised in just shoved basketball, basketball, basketball. It's like literally if you take the phrase ball is life, the first guy that I think of is Lonzo Ball. His last name's Ball, goddammit. Like, it's crazy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so and I know I'm starting to, like not to sound too tacky or cliché. The reason I'm saying this is I have tremendous respect for players that clearly just put basketball above everything else. And when you look at Lonzo Ball, like to change your jump shot and make something that you were being memed about one of your biggest strengths, is something that I will always admire him for, even if he never makes an all-star game, which I do think he will, by the way. Um, defensively, he's amazing. Offensively, it just seems like he has a tremendous basketball IQ, always makes the right play, doesn't complain if he's not the focal point of the offense. Just a tremendous player to add on to any team. He's a player that, in my opinion, I think uh, any team could pretty much use. So, uh, But... The one thing that kind of, I think the Chicago Bulls kind of got a little crazy. You know, adding Alex Crusoe's is great, but that kind of makes me wonder. All right, so what happens to Denzel Valentine, Kobe White, Denzel Thomas Valentine's Sataransky. already
1: gone. He is gone. We oh, he's gone. Released him and Christian uh, Felicio. We've released both those mm. guys. Um There was actually, I mean, I don't know if you know this Felicio ongoing meme uh, among Bulls fans. But basically, people were just, you know, we like, you know, on the Bulls Reddit, it's like a joke. Like, oh, okay, like, oh, Felicio is not getting the max and stuff because he got a a way bigger contract than he deserved at one point. And yeah, he's finally gone. But um, I think I saw that he made more money in six seasons with the Bulls than Scottie Pippen made in 12.
0: (laughs) Well, that's not fair. Scottie Pippen. (laughs) <laughs> played in a Which different you guys era, did era, but him also, was, you know, Scottie Pippen yeah. at one
1: point um, was criminally underpaid and, you know, finally got his money at the end of his career. But uh, yeah, there was a time where Scottie Pippen was a top 10 player in the NBA and was paid something like the 120th highest salary. Um, disgusting. But I love what you're saying about Lonzo. Um, the other thing, I I like to, I think it's funny. It got pointed out when we live-streamed about this. Guys, uh, we are live-streaming. We're going to be doing it a ton coming this season, you know, but we've been live-streaming a bunch. And during our live-stream, one of the top comments actually left was, I think it's funny that Lonzo Ball has been on all three of our favorite teams because we got the Lakers and the Pelicans, now the Bulls. Hopefully, you know, we're getting Lonzo in his final form. I've been watching Lonzo. You know, Lonzo workout tapes, his jump shot from the mid-range, he's he's definitely, you know, not only working at, you know, getting shots up, but he's adjusting his form, which is incredibly important. And it looks like the man's just ready to put in the work and he's ready to put in the work to be as great a player as he can possibly be. Now, I don't think he'll ever reach the expectations that once we're there with Magic Johnson being like, you're going to break, like save some of my records. Of course, that's not it. But if, yeah, if he does develop into an all-star like like talent, you know, the Bulls are going to be in a very, very good spot especially because of patrick williams i'm telling you guys here right now watch out for it either 2023 or 2024 you will see patrick williams on an all-star roster probably closer to 2024. I, I don't, I, the man is 19 I don't know. right now
0: he's a beast i don't know why but i don't know if it's the fact that he's six foot eight and he's probably going to be your sixth man this year Who pat? um nice uh, starting. pat he's starting so wait so what's your starting lineup gonna be it's gonna be lucevic he's also probably to
1: six foot nine to six foot nine and a half at this point he literally he he's one of those guys during the summer that has claimed he's grown but it actually looks like he might have grown an inch which makes sense because he's 19 still um he was i think he was the youngest player in the nba last year or he was either the youngest or top three youngest something like that. He's the youngest player on the Bulls summer league roster as a second year guy. Um, he's basically been the youngest guy on the court all the time. Uh, and yeah, with Larry, Mar- Lowry's not starting our starting lineups gonna be Lonzo, Zach, DeRozan, Pat uh, at the four, I would assume either Pat or DeRozan. One of them's going to play the three or the four DeRozan played, I think 60% of his minutes last year at the four um, for the Spurs. So he's able to, the four. I don't really, you know, how that'll do defensively, but Pat could guard fours, I think. And then of course, Vucevic at the five.
0: And then you have Kobe White and Laurie marketing We got questions on
1: the bench though. Like, I, so that is of course a huge thing. Kobe White has, you know, shown showcased a lot of potential. I mean, I think he averaged 15 points a game last season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So as a second year player, he averaged 15 a game. And the Bulls basically said, hey, we don't believe in you at all. We're going to go and sign two other point guards.
0: Um, I mean, if you look at his advanced metrics, I know I'm not a big PER person, but I do at least look at it. But his rookie season, he actually lost you guys' games negative point five um offensive wind chairs so he's kind of like a low efficiency scorer he's negative in total box plus minus vorp dbpm obpm so like he's a net negative player he might just be like a very high volume low efficiency type scorer which typically is relegated to bench duty um but the only the only thing if i had to give your guys an off se- your guys's offseason a grade it would be a b Mainly because like I do anytime a team makes moves in order to get themselves into the playoff picture, especially in the East, then automatically you have to give them a higher grade. I think Caruso and DeMar DeRozan were slight overpays. I don't know how DeMar DeRozan will fit next to Zach Levine um, and uh, yeah, next to Zach Levine, but I'm sure there might be a chance that you guys could figure it out. It's just, he's getting paid $27.7 million this year. And I just felt like it was one of those situations. Like you said, Hey, we could get a high end, small forward. Let's go ahead, throw money at him. We have a ton of momentum so far. Why not? Um, by the end of the day, I do think you're a playoff team. And, uh, I, I don't know about you. When the Lakers were rebuilding, it was so hard to watch games. I wasn't watching games. I was watching, like, you know, those little, like, 10 minute YouTube, like, highlight videos. I would watch those because it's so painful to sit through two and a half hours of, you know, um, Jody Meeks chucking up threes and Robert Sacre uh, airballing, like, wide open layups. So yeah. And, like, even like last you. year,
1: like, no, like I said, Pat Williams, my favorite player in the NBA. You know, this—he's my. I'm going on <laughs> right now. Patrick <laughs> Williams, favorite player in the NBA. Right. On the record, can we clip
0: that? <laughs> All right, he's my favorite player. Over Lonzo Ball, over Lonzo Ball. Yes,
1: yes. Patrick Williams is my favorite player. He's the key. Well, Patrick Williams is the key to the Bulls' future. He's the key to can we take that leap to championship contention? Now, um, I will say, I, let me two things. Uh, well, Patrick Williams, I just want to say, watching him even last year, the problem with Pat is last year even when guys got went out, he still was playing his role of like, I'm going to stand in the corner and just occasionally shoot, but play my ass off and, you know, play great defense. That's not really something that, you know, watching a rebuild, like watching a team that's not making the playoffs, you just watch for like the small things like, okay, Are my, like, you know, are the the guys developing? Like, Pat was, like, not the most interesting guy to watch in that regard. That's why in the summer league, he's been so exciting because they were just giving him full reign. They're, like, running him off pick and rolls. They're doing handoffs with him. It's looking great. His shot's looking much improved. His confidence is there. Man just looks like a beast. And, like, the Kawhi Leonard, baby Kawhi thing goes further than just his play style. It goes straight to, like, you know, he's a defensive guy. He's he's trying to get that mid range down, that Kawhi Leonard mid range jumper that we all know. Um, it's it's a work in progress, but his shots looking better. It's looking more fluid, I would say, and I think uh, his playmaking and ball handling needs to you know continue to develop. But again, only 19. Love Pat love love Pat Williams. I'll just quickly go with Lowry Um, It I don't know what's going to happen with him. Still, I mean, it looks like he might end up taking the qualifying offer. Of around like not nine mil or something, which that is rough, especially because he's not going to start. He will not start on this team. I know that for a fact. Just he won't start. He's not one of the guys, and he's going to be playing for a contract next season off the bench. That that's tough. I mean, if I were him, I would really, really be trying to sign elsewhere. He said he does not want to be in Chicago anymore. He just. I don't blame him for that either because he just doesn't fit anymore and the front office kind of did him dirty. So yeah, I mean, if he comes back, it's so weird because he's not going to be seen at least at first as like really a core building block. He hasn't been seen as that this off season, but now we've got a guy in a contract year that needs to play well in order to get paid. So it's going to be weird.
0: All right. Um, should we do loser? Uh, should I do a loser? You can,
1: yeah, go ahead. I mean, if it fits your, if it's you, uh, I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Shout let's outs to my this, man. Wait, Get- let's, call,
0: let's call this a fight, hey, Mike. <laughs> uh, can, can I walk <laughs> off, can I walk off right now? i <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're such a bully. I had to say it, it was right there for me. No, it's like I have opportunities like that. I don't say that to you, dude.
1: Say them, baby. You said it.
0: Oh, You've wow, you're shit. so toxic. You're so toxic. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> All, right. All right, it's Ooh. funny. Maybe for you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, chat. You know, comment section is Mike Corzumbo a bully? Just, uh, just answer us in the comment section down below, by the way. Um. For our next live stream, I just want to let you guys know, um, in our last live stream, and this is going to happen each and every live stream, if you're a Laced Up Silver or a Laced Up Gold member, we will bring you on the live pod with us. If you go to our last uh, live pod, we actually had um, multiple of you guys coming in, talking basketball with us, and you get access to our Discord that literally only has like, how many, I think it's still in like single digits and it's like the best way to talk to us. So check out our memberships program guys. It is literally the join button next to the subscribe button. And of course, once we get to 40,000 subscribers, we're going to give away a PlayStation 5 to subscribe or an Xbox Series X to a subscriber that turns on our notifications on this channel. So let's do losers and uh, shout out to Get Like Who, but I think uh, one of the losers of this offseason has to be the New Orleans Pelicans. There's just been moments where I kind of am looking at the team and I'm like, dude, what are you guys doing? I mean, Zion Williamson was involved in this like rumor early on where his family came out and said that they don't want him to play in New Orleans long term. Um, Zion also came out and said that he wants the New Orleans Pelicans to retain Lonzo Ball the New Orleans Pelicans didn't even really make an attempt to retain Lonzo Ball. Their best opportunity to, like, I guess, replace Lonzo was Devontae Graham. Now, granted, I think Devontae Graham could be a good addition, and I don't think his numbers do him justice because his role was a little bit more awkward with the addition of LaMelo Ball. But you know if you ignore his season last year it, um well for the, sorry if you just look at his statistics generally you're talking about a 38% uh three point shooter so he Shooting's could fit into great. the what said so shooting is 38? not great it's it's it is yeah overall shooting. to
1: see an under 40% shooter in the NBA today
0: well well here's the thing here's the thing that a lot of people ignore um Hit, most of his shots were just threes. So if you're looking for a guy to fill in the Lonzo ball role, where he was literally just spotting up so you could play five out with Zion, I think Devontae Graham is a great and cheaper option. The issue is he is a bit of a defensive liability and he is six foot one. Again, I'm just trying to be a little optimistic here. Uh, obviously, he's a downgrade over Lonzo, but the fact that you didn't go out and retain Lonzo or at least try to get some stars to or some good players to put around Zion isn't a good sign. This kind of gives me shades of early on in LeBron James's career. If you remember, I'm sure you know the Carlos Boozer story. Carlos Boozer was probably LeBron's best teammate in like his rookie season and uh, earlier on in his career. He hit the open market uh, in 2005. The Cavaliers and Boozer had like some sort of handshake agreement that if he opted out, the Cavs would offer him more money. Then the Jazz offered him even more money. Boozer took the Jazz's deal, and the Cavs were like, "Ah, how could you accept more money and betray us?" And that was they bad. Didn't really Honestly, get... that's
1: something. <sighs> yeah, that was a that was huge backstab.
0: I mean, yeah, but the they thing is a, they had that a... was
1: one of those situations where there was 100 like a handshaking agreement before because. They could have just kept him, but then they were like, they let him go to unrestricted free agency. And then he was like, peace,
0: suckers. <laughs>
1: I'm gone. And he also could have played with LeBron, by the way.
0: That's also swept under yeah. the rug. Well well, like also, yeah, uh back then, was that that was like no, that was Darren Williams's rookie season. So like that wasn't really yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's like kind of similar in the sense that like the Cavaliers could have came in and said, hey, we'll give you the money you want. Like, we'll match what Utah's offering you. But they didn't. They didn't want uh, they had the opportunity to match what Utah was giving him. But obviously, Boozer was going to take more money no matter what, uh, especially if you give a player that type of leverage. Wait, but-
1: I think you don't. Wait, are you sure you're correct about this situation? Hold on. Um, you could fact check
0: me. Pretty sure
1: Carlos Boozer completely screwed them over.
0: So that's one side of the story. But the Cavalier side of the story was they let him go. Boozer got a better deal. It's not like he wanted to switch. It was just the Jazz offered signi- like almost like a significant, significantly more money what would you do in that situation? What would anyone do in that situation? You know, like, yeah, I understand there's morality involved, but when you're talking about like a difference of like 10 to $15 million, which I think is the difference here, if you want, you can fact check me. Um, No, you're not,
1: you're not. The Cavs let him out of his second round, like second round contract. They let him out in order to re-sign him long-term for a ton of money. Like they, like he was going to get paid like A million dollars or something the next year and they were they had an agreement like okay we're gonna let you out of this but then you're gonna resign with us and he said thanks for letting me out of this contract now i'm gonna leave bye that's what happened
0: so i want to uh, let me see i want to see the numbers involved here and they didn't have a chance Um, to
1: match they like made him an unrestricted free agent
0: so so here so here it is Um, they so the entire story is Carlos Boozer was a second round, uh, second round draft pick. Like you said, the Cavaliers, um, declined his option, allowing him to hit, which I don't understand why you would do that to begin with. Like, what was the story about that? Why would you do that? But they declined his option because they had a
1: they had they literally had a meeting where Carlos Boozer went to them and made some kind of quote where it's like, if you treat me well. I'll come back and treat you well. I'll sign long-term here. He literally, yeah, like they could have just, they could have just had him for cheap, like boom. And they thought that they were like making this handshake deal with Carlos Boozer. And instead he was like, yo, peace, I'm going to Utah now. And they were just like, are you joking me?
0: Well, here's the thing. The offer that Boozer was given from Cleveland was 41 million over six years. The offer that the Jazz gave him was twenty-seven million dollars more. What would you do? Yeah, you see, say, so oh.
1: so I guess that like it goes both ways out, I will say. Like, um at that point, it's like, yeah, the Cavs need to up their money. It's kinda of, that's definitely one hundred percent I would say like a sleazy er move. But with that much money difference, like that comes down to the Cavs front office must have just been incompetent. Like, how are you going to let this man, you're going to decline the option and you guys don't have a number discussed about that he's going to agree to? You're just like, okay, yeah, but we're, you know, we'll let you in the open free agency. And then they're like, oh, never mind, This is too much money for us. That's insane. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so go and it's really funny because like $27 million, like Dennis Schroeder risked it all for $26 million. So $27 million is a lot of money, you know. Um, But going back to the Pelicans, you really didn't do enough to like show Zion Williamson that, hey, we're a smaller market, but we're dedicated to building a contender around you. And of course they have time, you know, Zion can't technically leave the Pelicans for another four to five years, if I'm correct, but it's still- uh,
1: He can technically leave uh, three seasons from now. He could, so he's got, he's on his third third season. So then he's got his fourth season and then he could take the qualifying, like he could do that qualifying offer business where he doesn't uh, like, where in restricted free agency, he just signs the qualifying offer that the Pelicans give him because you know, every restricted free agent has to be offered the qualifying offer. And then you're able to go out and, um, like, oh, if another team signs you, the Pelicans are able to match. But if you just sign that one year qualifying offer, you are now an unrestricted free agent in year five. So he can do that, but he won't because that's like, it's going to be like 200 plus million dollars.
0: I'm so, I'm so shocked that more players don't do like, I really, we talk about this a lot on the podcast that you and I are like waiting for that first player to come out and sign the qualifying offer, like lose out on $20 million and then probably have like one of the greatest, like and most exciting free agencies since probably Shaquille O'Neal, honestly, because that's the last time a player that young and, uh, that exciting, like hit free agency. Yeah. Right, it I a doesn't year pro. Yeah, but uh so my loser is going to have to be the New Orleans Pelicans. Um my winner you already know man, my Los Angeles Lakers. I think I think they absolutely crushed it. Um I think uh bringing in Westbrook, you add a star, this could prolong LeBron James's career. It's a significantly different look than last year. It makes the Nets Lakers potential rivalry that much more exciting. Um, then your bench, you add, you just add players that like people could get behind, you know, like Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore was a solid addition, Kendrick Nunn. Um, it's just, uh, they retain Talon Horton Tucker. Um, and they were able to add Malik Monk. I think it was just masterful roster construction classic by Lakers. Rob It's Classic
1: Lakers, you yeah. know,
0: bro. We are literally five years removed. We are five years removed from signing Luol Deng to a four-year, well, seventy-two million first of dollar all, contract. That was incompetence,
1: yes, and also the Mozgov contract. That was different front office, different. You you guys now have a good front office and we see what happens when you have a good front office. It's just too scary and too overpowered. It's like someone needs to turn the sliders down. It's like you guys are playing in like you you're you hopped into an NBA 2K My League, and you turn the simulator difficulty or something down to like 25 out of 50. You know? <laughs> like it's just you're playing with just too easy of a hand, all right? Lakers I mean, not, have it all. not necessarily. They literally have it all. you're if you not go to the that... Lakers, you're you're an immediate celebrity. Okay. You're playing in Los Angeles. Amazing market. All right. You, um, no, that's it. That's all we have to talk about. Boom. Right there. Oh, and you're part of a winning championship culture that all the greats have played in that everyone grew up watching all of the great Lakers. It's just, everyone's like, oh, look at, you know, I grew up watching Kobe. Oh my God. Now I get to wear the same Jersey Kobe wore. All right. Before that, it was Magic Johnson and Kareem and Shaq. Like, uh. And now it's going to be LeBron.
0: You guys had that opportunity too. Like with Michael we're Jordan. Com- but you guys were-
1: we had the worst front. We had one of the worst front offices in the NBA. Yeah, you did. Uh, for yeah, you did. way too long. And you know what? Now our front office is, I think, I think that's the biggest thing with the Bulls. I'll trust the DeMar DeRozan deal. I will trust. I also, I didn't mention this. You know, he averaged seven assists per game last year. That I think that's huge. I think playing in San Antonio, if we were getting Toronto Raptors DeMar um, at this age, I would be a a lot more wary because, um, of just how his play style in San Antonio, we got, you know, a few years of DeMar as a spur, which I think is really big. And I think he'll be able to fit in more alongside Zach and, you know, a whole team concept with that in mind. But yeah, we've had one of the worst front offices in the league and now we have one of the best. It looks like, you know, I trust everyone. You guys though. I definitely agree. Home run. Um... I'm going to love to watch Russ as a Laker. It's going to be great. I mean, I hate to say it. I, I hate to say it, but the Lakers colors look good on almost everyone. All right? Like, you see someone in a Lakers jersey, and they suddenly look overpowered themselves. I think, um, I remember, I think Bill Simmons said something like Kwame Brown when he was on the Lakers. Suddenly looked like he was the next Dwight Howard just in the jersey. And then you watch him play for one minute, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's Kwame Brown. Not to hate on Kwame Brown. Please, please don't come at me, Kwame. Just,
0: just wait until Zion Williamson and Luka Doncic form a super team Relax. on the Lakers in five years. <laughs> I'm just form saying, su- you know, heard they're
1: it. They're going to you- form a super team in Las Vegas. That's what's going to happen. Ooh, that
0: that'd be kind of gas. But
1: I, uh, I wonder how. I wonder if Luke is a blackjack guy.
0: But you know, just just based off this offseason, like Russell Westbrook, you have that's a guy you could get behind. Dwight Howard is probably one of the greatest redemption stories for the Lakers, someone that we love now. Um, I'm very, very pleased with our offseason. Um I love your young guys. So I love the fact that you were
1: you guys were able to go out and get a bunch of old veterans that are going to definitely help? Like I think mel will for sure help, and you know he'll he'll have a, a bunch of games during the regular season and maybe some playoff games where he uh you know ends up knocking down some big shots, has some good shooting nights. Like it happened in uh, Portland this year, he had about three playoff games where he had solid shooting nights. And if he's off, you know you just don't play him that much. It's not that big of a deal same with Dwight Howard that was my whole thing with Andre Drummond which we talked about in episode one where I was like the problem with Andre Drummond is he's playing for a contract he's young he like needs to play like he they have a whole deal with like he wants to play and the Lakers are gonna be like okay we kind of like have to put him out here maybe for a little more than we want to if he sucks like you know it was a tough situation for them they couldn't just yank him immediately with Dwight Howard if he sucks you're like all right Dwight take a seat you know maybe next game Um, your young guys though, Malik Monk is someone who before he was injured was emerging. And so I, from, I'm pretty sure from what I have been listening to and reading, I think he was offered some other contracts for more money for, for sure, more money and longer deals, but he is trying to do the Dennis Shooter, you know, he's, he's going the Dennis Shooter route of getting that lakers clout playing well on the lakers can easily result into a giant payday and i think that's where he's going for and i could easily see it happening because when we talked about this going into the free agency we were like russell westbrook or buddy healed like who fits better we're like we kind of like we're we we said buddy fits better you know russ might be a better play player i mean russ is a better player for sure but buddy you know his uh catch and shoot ability and his just floor spacing ability fits the lakers so well when you have a guy like malik monk who just looking at his numbers as a 22 year old he's 23 now he averaged 11.7 points per game uh shot five threes a game made two of them 40 percent shooting from three all right and that is he's a floor spacer and he really was emerging in charlotte before his injury you know and then at the end of the year he was whatever i mean he's coming back from uh you know an extended injury at that point i'm excited about him i'm excited to see what taylor and tucker can do i mean you guys weren't willing to give up kyle lowry for him so i i hope he plays well um uh, i'm excited for that and yeah your young guys are just i think that's like underrated here because that's going to keep you going into the next era if you could potentially keep a guy like Malik if he plays really well, um, we'll see what that next er- era brings us because I'm sure you're going to try to build around Anthony Davis. I don't think the Lakers are going to want to rebuild anytime soon.
0: Anthony Davis, Bronny James, Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson, you know, dude, Bronny, um, no jokes. Man, I
1: really hope he steps up his game, dude. He, I, I just have, have you watched Bronny? I have, um. I he's really too passive out there, um, for sure. I think. I think like he, um, you know, I, I I would like to see him try to take over more. He's about to be a junior next year. You know, the excuses for Brownie of like, okay, well, he's only a freshman, he's only a sophomore, he's deferring to older guys. By the time you're a junior in high school, that's where there is no excuse like that. You're you got to be the guy on the court. And he, yeah, is he playing with some four star guys on his team on his A U team? Sure um but i would just like to see him be more aggressive and more attacking the basket shooting a bit more i do love his defense and it seems like his playmaking is on point but at this point in time i don't think we could say brawny's gonna be a one and done nba guy i wouldn't say that at this point
0: i think it's one of those situations where his dad might force him to just so they could play in the nba together it's gonna be so weird
1: it's gonna be so weird because whoever drafts him Bronny is gonna know if we draft Bronny, we get
0: lebron like when is that at that point
1: ever happened though
0: lebron's still gonna be good at 40 i don't know it's impossible for me to comment on this he will be it's impossible for me i'm not saying he'll be lebron lebron but he'll be good i mean like what if he takes what if he takes like the vet mint the only met I don't, I, it's tough to like, play with his son. This is
1: a whole different story, you know. It's not like he's taking the vent min to play for the Lakers and win the championship. You know, this is like oh to go play with my son for one year in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
0: tough. <laughs> to because,
1: team like, up with Lonzo, <laughs> Zach, Pat Williams, and Vujic. At that point, Demar,
0: maybe. DeMar oh my to god, that, <laughs> you're turning into me. <laughs> It's uh, um like so it's kind of hard cuz there's only two players that you can really compare this situation to and one doesn't even play the game of basketball. One is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and towards the end of his career, you, you kind of saw him taking a lesser and lesser and lesser role and you know deferring to his teammates a bit, but the fact that he was on the court was seen as a huge boost to the Los Angeles Lakers and he did contribute here and there, but he wasn't the same player obviously. And then another player which again, completely different sport, which I don't think it could even uh, you could even compare is Tom Brady, which again different sport you know so it's hard to it's really hard to say because i could see lebron being the guy that like pushes until 40 maybe even 41 or 42 just so he could say uh, just so he could ha- add that on to his resume but at the same time it's so difficult to predict something like that because it just takes one freak injury
1: i'll i'll, I'll go beyond add to your resume um If LeBron has a chance to continue to play basketball, I mean, this is what he loves to do. He loves to play basketball. Once it's over, it's over, you know? And LeBron pays a lot of money for his own health. We are in a different era. I'm very interested to see where things are going to be in like 40 years. Because if we're already at the point where we see Tom Brady and LeBron like playing till 40 and just advances in medicine and science just continue and continue and continue, like what happens, you know? Like because the long longitivity, longevity longevity, one of those two words is the correct word. Um, longevity, longevity. longevity. N- neither of them were. I was over two. Um, the longevity of uh, uh, top tier athletes. That's NBA Saint John's education, baby. To- yeah, yeah, for real. Um, the the <laughs> longevity of uh, top tier athletes is going to just keep increasing because they are, you know, they're. They're investing in themselves. They're investing in their own bodies and it's paying off. It pays off a ton. I mean, you know, you, you spend a $2 million on, uh, your body and you end up with another gigantic contract. I mean, it definitely pays off. Yeah. Run. And that's a tax right There's been,
0: there's been, there's been tremendous. So in the past, um, not to get too scientific, uh, UCLA, you know, Um, (laughs) uh, biochemistry here, but uh, in the past, there was a huge emphasis on um, uh, just trying to prolong one's life And now we're getting to a point where we're not only just trying to prolong our lives, but there's a huge emphasis on performance longevity. How could you continue playing a sport or continue to perform in your forties? And that might be the next evolution. And maybe in our lifetime at some point, maybe we could even see someone pushing to keep playing the sport until like their late forties or even their early fifties. Maybe that's their goal. That would be, I
1: mean, if we watch an NBA player running around out there, like, you know what? Steph Curry was born 30 years from now or like 20 years from now, I would say, you know, do it Steph <laughs> like that. I mean, like I feel like it could happen or if clay would, didn't keep getting injured, unfortunately, but you know, clay, clay could shoot forever. Um, it's, you know, though, have you watched parks and recreation parks and rec
0: every episode? Yeah. Every episode. I
1: love it so much. Me and Angela are actually uh, going through it right now. She's never seen it. So it's like, great. It's, I love the having, you know, uh, like girlfriend slash, in my case fiance, but like having someone to like, watch like shows with that you've already seen, but you could see their reaction is like really cool. Cause you get to kind of like watching it all over again, just because you're willing, you know, you get to react with them. And um, it's so funny, like when Chris Traeger comes on, played by Rob Lowe, comes on and he's like, you know, he's like, hey, scientists believe that the first man uh, who's going to live to be 150 years old is already living on this earth. I believe I am that man. <laughs> so, i mean i don't know if that's that, that, true are we gonna be seeing people that are gonna be 150 years old i don't know but you know maybe we'll hit that that uh triple digits you know laced up will be will be uh, about 70 years old at that point will be 100 year old men <laughs> Just talking about so, talking about whatever basketball has become at that point
0: yeah, it's probably what what it was in Space Jam, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like with like 8-foot <laughs> giants team. at point guard, like um, dunking from the three-point line. But uh, so I wanted to, there's one team that we have to bring up on our biggest winners and losers list. And this is actually my question to you, my friend. Um, what do you think about the Sixers offseason? How did they do? What do you do? What would you Um, agree? I will
1: give them a big fat incomplete because we have to wait for Ben Simmons. Off season is not over. At this point, it's a giant F. I mean, like you, they alienated Ben Simmons to the point where he had to go. And you know what? This is another situation where I feel like everyone is on one side and I'm just, you know sliding over to the other side. I'm gonna, I agree with Ben Simmons, with all the Ben Simmons hate in terms of what he did in that single playoff series. I mean, I think it was something like he drove, like his drives per game were around 10 in the previous two years playoffs. And then this year um, in that series, it was about five. So he cut his drives to the basket in half. He was scared. He did not want to get fouled. He did not want to take free throws. It sucked to see. It really did because, especially because you see Giannis, you know, Giannis is not a great free throw shooter either. Giannis doesn't care. Giannis takes the ball to the basket and is like, okay, you foul me. I'm going to score the basket and take my free throw. And if I air ball, it doesn't matter because it already went in. I've already got two points. Ben Simmons, if he had that mentality, we wouldn't even be talking like this. The Sixers might've won the championship. However, with all of that in mind, Ben Simmons is still, has been an all NBA type talent. And yes, did, the, did that series cast a giant negative light on him in everyone's eyes? Sure. What was even worse though, and what you can't do as an organization is when a player does that, when a player fails, just we'll say fails, all right? You can't pile on your own guy and then look to trade him. You can't do that. Doc Rivers cannot be asked, do you think Ben Simmons is a championship winning point guard and go, I don't know, because I don't know Just means no. If you don't know that your own guy can be a championship-level point guard, you don't think he can be. We all know it. You're just, you know, trying to save face a little. Embiid, his quote was a little taken out of context, but not really, because he straight up, you know, did say that as soon as uh, Ben passed the ball there, he thought the game shifted. And Embiid, then he, like, you know, took credit for his own turnover. But yeah, he turned the ball over right after as well, because he tried to do a uh, post-up spin, from the three-point line, all right. So, you know, Embiid did it all season, uh, did it all season. MVP candidate crushed it in the playoffs. You know, averaged great points per game, everything. He he didn't exactly come up in the clutch either. So with Ben Simmons, though, we'll see what trade package they get. I'm just saying, I don't blame him. I don't blame Ben for not wanting to talk to Philly. I mean, they hated on him, and I can only imagine what his like Twitter like notifications look like what is instagram notifications look like from philly fans too okay because philly fans as we all know are the most ruthless and if you're a philly fan i get it that's what you guys are about no one else understands you but yourselves all right i'm just gonna say that because i've been to a bunch of sixers games at this point i've never ever seen a team just boo their own players so easily they will boo you if you miss three straight shots. Suddenly boos immediately. It's like this guy, like Robert Covington, there was a whole situation. I get it, Sixers fans. You know, I've already talked about this with people on chats, uh, on like on live streams. But Robert Covington was having, you know, on and off here, the Sixers. He, I watched this in person. He missed his first three shots and the amount of boos that rained down on him, you would have thought that it was... Vince Carter returning to the Toronto Raptors after he gave up on them. All right? It was insane. Insane. I was like, what is happening? And then Robert Covington hit in the most awkward moment I've, like, seen. Robert Covington ended up hitting the game-winning buzzer-beating shot. And I don't think the fans knew what to do. They were like, do we hate this guy? (laughs) We just won the game. You know, it was weird. Um, Sixers messed up with that, man. I, like... We'll see what they end up getting for Ben. They're going to have to lower their expectations uh, for sure because no one is willing to pull the trigger as of now, but they are for sure at least partially to blame. Yeah, Ben's on-court play is to blame, but so is the way that they handled right after everything that happened.
0: It's really tough to comment on this situation, especially when Daryl Morey follows me on Twitter and I'm terrified of him unfollow me on Twitter at any oh God, point he me on Twitter. I too. Oh dude, you should uh, we should like you should invite him to the pod just see like if he could I think he'd make a great guest and like I think he'd probably say yes to you. Well
1: to be fair wait wait to be fair we didn't drag Daryl Morey. I didn't I didn't drag him I I said uh I said Dockerverse and I said in beach shouldn't have said that either. And I'll also say, um, I what I will also say is that, you know, they're the Sixers are asking for a lot, and you know that's what you do in the beginning. Like it, it's not like they're they're they are on a time clock at this moment because Ben's not going to report for training camp. He's just going to say, "I'm not playing for you." So they are, but you know they still have a bit of time. You know, it makes sense that they were going for a home run offer at first because they were hoping one team bites. No one bought bought bit. So now we'll see what happens. Sorry, cut you off, my bad.
0: Um. Yeah, so uh, first of all, Daryl Morey, I, I, I love Daryl Morey, and I'm not just saying this because he follows me. I've loved him even before he followed me. Like, I think he's a brilliant and overly aggressive guy that will do whatever it takes to win. He usually uses empirical data and analytics and science to at least draw his conclusions, which I, personally really respect but the thing is in the very beginning i knew that the philadelphia 76ers just couldn't build around a guy like ben simmons you're talking about a man that told james harden to stop like shooting not him particularly but i'm sure he had a huge hand in it Stop shooting mid-range jump shots the moment he traded for him so it just didn't make sense that he will go from James Harden to Ben Simmons. And they properly hyped up Ben Simmons throughout the season, made him seem like a defensive savant, but I guess they kind of bought their own hype a little bit too much and they <laughs> yeah. didn't trade him. So it's funny. what sucks, It, yeah, it is really funny. Um <laughs> yeah, Again, you're
1: definitely right there. Like, you know, they did yeah. definitely, uh, Ben Simmons had the defensive player. He was in the defensive player of the year race. You know, they did, you're right. Yeah.
0: Like they had that happen continue though and here's here's the crazy part he was a better defensive player last year than he was this year so like that's the part that i don't really understand all of a sudden i'm getting this narrative that doc rivers unlocked ben simmons's defensive versatility and i'm just sitting here like okay i think the sixers again buying into their own hype a little bit of diamond hands daryl i guess go into the uh nba playoff picture with a ton of hype um And they absolutely, I mean, they crumbled. And the, (laughs) I think the media is evil, you know, like on the YouTuber side, I love the fact that this happened because it gave us a story to talk about. But like the fact that you just saw, you just had the Sixers fall short of their expectations again and you shove a microphone (laughs) in doc rivers's face after he chokes another series you shove a microphone in Embiid's face after like once Dude, I've again i've never seen that shorts. ben
1: simmons interview <laughs> i've never seen anything like that, especially yeah. to a star player and like i people are gonna be like ben simmons is a star ben simmons is an all nba player like okay so you know star player not exactly He's an, crazy to uh say about ben simmons to, to see an he, all-star he, caliber player let's say that uh get a mic and and the questions they were asking him i was like dude the media is just they do not care right now and he was so defeated that he was just he wasn't getting offended he was he was just taking the questions and just being like man yeah
0: yeah it's uh it's really funny like i mean obviously this was induced by the media but at the same time like there's two sides to this that i see There's the Ben Simmons side where your entire team's just throwing you under the bus, you know, like your your head coaches and, you know, everyone's in their emotions and whatnot. And then there's obviously the Philadelphia 76ers side. Like if you're Tobias Harris, if you're Joel Embiid, if you know if you're Daryl Morey and if you're the entire team, you're kind of looking at Ben Simmons and saying, yo, you've literally been the same player each and every year. Each and every offseason, you just throw up a video of you shooting threes. You hype up everyone, making them think that, hey, this year is going to be different. I'm not falling for it. Yeah, I'm it's not buying again. it. I don't it's think it. yeah, it's happening. Yeah, it's <laughs> happening again. Like, I was like, what? he's he's putting up a practice video of him shooting threes with Rajon Rondo. Is that supposed to inspire some confidence? Like, oh, he's learning from Rajon Rondo how to shoot threes. Like, well, wait, what? what Rondo is
1: one of those guys that uh, I guess in later in his career did end up making threes. But, yeah, no, no, I was about to quote that, and I had, like, a something written up, and I was like, too far, delete, let's just, let's just let this lay, you know?
0: I tweeted something out about, like, the Ben Simmons cycle, where, like, uh, this happens each and every single year. Yeah. And uh, currently, obviously, Ben Simmons is going to ghost the Philadelphia 76ers as a result of this. I'm sure you heard the story how Joel Embiid, Daryl, um, not um, Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers, n- no one could get in touch with Ben Simmons. Apparently, the Sixers wanted to formulate some sort of off-season training program with Ben, but they can't get in touch with him. There's even another report saying that he's willing to go as far as to hold out. I don't think he's ever
1: going to step foot back in there unless he's wearing another jersey.
0: I agree. And uh, what's interesting is the only team that in my mind could actually trade for Ben Simmons is a team that is also a fairly questionable fit for Ben Simmons, and that's the Golden State Warriors. They have the assets, but if you think about it, and there's another report on this, they have had internal discussions about adding Ben Simmons, but the question is, and I think this is all on our mind, how would Ben Simmons fit with Draymond Green? And would Ben Simmons necessarily be an upgrade over Draymond Green in the sense that, yes, I understand, and if you compare player to player, Of course, Ben Simmons is the better player. There's no question. But in terms of, like, what Draymond contributes to the Golden State Warriors, that defensive intensity, that confidence, no matter what, like, Draymond Green is not going to get rattled in those big games. Ben Simmons will get rattled in those big games. Sure, he's Ben Simmons is more athletic, he's even a better defender, but it just doesn't make sense to have them on a basketball court together. It doesn't make sense to trade Andrew Wiggins and maybe uh, and Moses Moody who could immediately contribute because he's a pretty solid three point shooter. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman for Ben Simmons. So I don't know. It's a tough situation because if the Warriors don't trade for him and he doesn't want to play for the 76ers, something's got to give here. What do you think? I still, if I'm the blazers,
1: I'm trying to move McCollum, uh, CJ McCollum for him. I'm, that is what I'm trying to do. You know, it the Blazers, it hasn't worked, okay? Blazers fans have been, you know, getting mad at me and us when we talk about the Blazers and go, this hasn't worked because we've talked about Dame, like, you know, like we want to see him on a different team. It hasn't worked. And if Dame is going to try it one more season, give it one more go, give it two more. However, it, you know, All right, you've got Norman Powell. You've got guys on the roster that can fill the CJ role. I would love to see a guy like Ben Simmons play with Dane, you know? Get Ben Simmons into some more pick and rolls. Remember when Ben Simmons had his career high or whatever this season? It was all on, like, pick and rolls to the basket, and he goes, like, yeah, I could do this whenever. First of all, the audacity to say that looking back. But second of all, get Ben Simmons into some different basketball-type action plays. We've seen it. He's not the point guard that people wanted him to be. He's not the LeBron James six foot eight is handling the ball because he just can't shoot. It's killing him. It just doesn't work. He's not Luca. It's but you know what? We just watched as Giannis, who a lot of people, you know, were saying, okay, like oh Giannis, like he has no bag. Like Giannis, like he can't. You know, he he isn't able to shoot like he should be able to. He hasn't shown the development that we want. We just saw Giannis go super saying demolish everyone and embrace his role as I'm a power forward slash just I'm a big guy that can also handle the ball and I'm going to score at will around the basket. I want to see Ben Simmons do more of that. All right. I want to see Ben develop his game down there. Yes, with him having a three point shot, of course, that'd be amazing. But if you give him get him into a situation like, like Portland where he isn't the primary ball handler. Then I think we will see Ben in more of that role. And I think that he will play a lot better because of it, especially with less expectations on him. If we remember, you know, Ben was playing great when they had Jimmy Butler, when Jimmy Butler was able to handle the ball, when Jimmy Butler was able to be the main guy that, you know, could create offense at the end of games. Suddenly, if you're looking at Ben to do that, that's just not the guy he is. And he has never been that guy. And I'm not expecting him to ever be that guy.
0: I would say I would I would take a different approach if you're trying to trade Ben and stop going and asking for players like Kyle Lowry, OG Anunoby, and the fourth overall pick in the NBA draft and friend and Fred Van Vliet in return. And, you know, maybe offer Ben Simmons to the Portland Trailblazers with. I don't know, may, um, maybe a Tyrese Maxi or a Matisse Thybul and maybe a couple of future first round picks. Get Damian Lillard in return because if you don't, like don't now I'm not know. even worried about alienating. I don't, I mean, yeah, but I'm not, at this point, I'm not even worried about Ben Simmons. A lot of the a storyline that's being slept on is Joel Embiid is a free agent within the next two years. So now you have to worry about keeping arguably the best center in the league happy. So, I don't really know, uh, I, and I honestly like. I know I always make this joke, but I think I think Joel Embiid would be a great fit in like a Hollywood like big market, or like I, I feel like he's destined for a big market. He's just way too marketable to be Golden in Philadelphia. State, but baby. that'd be interesting. <laughs> that oh. would be. In- That would be interesting or the Lakers, but, um, I wanted to, uh, well, okay. Well, hold on.
1: Wait, I want to say though, being realistic here, let's say you can't get Dame. I still think CJ is a good at this point compromise because I don't think you're getting Dame Dame is at a tier that is so high above what they they've been, what they've even been trying, you know, like he's just too high of a tier at this point for Ben. I don't think the blazers are pulling that because that also is like, that puts the Blazers in a situation where it's like, are you rebuilding or are you not? Because you're still Ben Simmons on your team. Like he's going to win you games.
0: I mean, yeah, but if you look at the Blazers situation, I mean, what's their ceiling this year? They didn't improve. I'm not saying they don't didn't. They teams. just, I, I mean, I'm here's the thing. I bring this up a lot and a lot of, Team, I guess general managers fear for their jobs. So they don't look at things as pragmatically as I would. But I look at the Portland Trailblazers and I'm like, listen, like you might not even be a playoff team this year, considering the improvements some of these teams made in the West. Um You have Damian Lillard at the peak of his value on a Supermax contract that would be okay with you leaving. You also have CJ McCollum. You're not going to build a contender around Dame. And apparently they want to run it back only with Chauncey Billups as the head coach. So you're getting a rookie head coach and all of a sudden things are supposed to be better. Uh, I would try to maximize, and I said this about James Harden at the conclusion of the NBA playoffs last year, before this turns ugly, maximize the player's value, trade him for a tremendous amount of assets. You will get a lot of assets in return for him. And you could have a higher, you could probably have a better rebuild as a result of it. Yeah, it's going to suck. But at this point, Damian Lillard's how old? 30 years old. How many good years does Damian Lillard have left in him? And do you think those good years will result in a championship? Do you even think those good years will result in a Western Conference Finals appearance at this point? Do you think the Portland Trailblazers can get past the Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, Jazz? Hell, even the Nuggets? Like, no, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, and yeah so, I, I, agree so what, what are we doing I here? I just don't think that Ben Simmons is the answer. I think you go for a package of young guys and uh, picks, which, the New York Knicks would be able to get RJ Barrett, you know, that that's a guy that I would be very interested in looking at, especially let's see how he plays this season. If RJ comes out and you're like, Hmm, this guy could be a five to seven time all-star, which he should, he certainly showed flashes of that last year, um, of where he could potentially be a long time all-star in this league. If RJ Barrett comes out, plays like that. You got guys like quickly you got guys like Obi Toppin. we've seen them in the summer league this year they've been playing really well we saw quickly last year he you know he played on a playoff team played pretty pretty damn well uh knicks have some good young players suddenly out of nowhere credit to the knicks within like two years suddenly they've gone from new york knicks what are they doing oh they gave up porzingis and they have no future to like they could be a dame destination i'm definitely not ruling them out Um, we've talked about Dame a lot, this pod and every pod because (laughs) we, because it's a, it's a great topic and Ben, but,
0: um, let's talk some summer league, bro.
1: Yeah. So let's talk summer league and let's talk, let's start it off with my boy, Pat. No, I, you know, I've talked Pat a little bit. Uh, all right, dude, I do want to say 30 points for the boy. You know, we've got me and Angela watching summer league. It's actually kind of adorable because Angela, uh is watching the Bulls. She's trying to just, you know, go full all in with me. And I'm, of course, rooting basically just to watch Patrick Williams and io And um, our second-round pick was a center, who I just can never remember his name. I watched every minute of the summer league so far, but I just can't remember his name. I'm rooting for those guys to all do well. But she's like fully rooted, like cheering on the Bulls to win, where I don't care as much. So she's like, oh my god, no, when the Spurs score a three. And I'm like, no, it, it doesn't matter that much. It's good for that guy. Hopefully he gets a contract. Um, but
0: Jello, let's talk about Liangelo. <laughs> you made a great video on him, by the way. Great video on him. Um, so, Jello Ball uh and you know i always own up to my takes whether they're right or wrong like i'll always be i i'll always keep it real with you guys the last time i discussed jello ball i questioned whether or not he actually loves basketball or if he's being forced to live out his dad's dream for him despite him having other talents that was my question and i know it's summer league you know i understand it's the summer league but I really like what I've seen from him, and I do think that there might be a spot in the league for him if he's able to get into some better shape. He's in significantly better shape than he was last year. Um, I do think the Charlotte Hornets are in a situation where they found their guy in LaMelo Ball, so LaMelo Ball's pull might be able to get Jello Ball a spot at the end of the bench. I'm going to be honest. I do think his ceiling would probably be like what – the, uh, what the nasa's role is with the bucks or um what costas aneta probably even more closer to what costas aneta role with the lakers was um but he's shown that he could at least be a spot up shooter he can make catch and shoot threes that at least will get you a role some sort of role like in the nba as a team's potential brian scalabrini or nick novak if that makes sense
1: i'm not gonna i'm not you know i i'm a little more high on him you know i'm not gonna of course say he's a starter level talent but i could definitely see him um if it's not this year maybe next year cracking the rotation getting some minutes maybe not you know your seventh eighth man but maybe closer to the 10th man especially considering that he's playing with Lamelo. which we can't discount the fact that those guys chemistry uh goes beyond i don't even like ha- like it is insane they've been playing they played in high school they played overseas they've been they're just brothers their chemistry is insane my whole thing with jello is you know i definitely understand the criticism of like oh does he want to do this because when we looked at him at ucla You know he was like a three-star recruit he was not really an nba prospect in fact Woj and everyone at that point had like a bunch of tweets where they were like uh after the whole shoplifting incident they were saying oh um jello you know he is not even on our radar like nba scouts he was not on nba scouts radar he was not on their extended list like he was nowhere to be found when it came to the nba um Some one scout was asked where he was going to be playing the next season. And they said like Chino Hills pickup games, you know, like that people were, people were ragging on him. And at this point he's played so much basketball and he's tried to prove himself so much that I don't think we could doubt his love of the game and his love to improve. And at this point, I think he's got the uh, chip on his back, the size of New York city, you know, like he is. The man wants to prove everyone wrong because he has seen the hate from these scouts. He's seen all of that. And watching his summer league games, yes, was his shooting there game one? You know, I did talk about this in my video that you mentioned, you know, yeah, was his shooting there game one? Yes, and it was great to see, but we know he's a knockdown shooter. What is really, you know, very, very promising to see is his effort level, his slight pick up in speed. You could you know at, there were definitely times watching him in the past where I was just like he's slow. He's just slow. He has definitely gotten a bit faster. Um and he is strong. There the Hornets one of their assistant coaches talked about his strength, talked about how it was you know very surprising how strong he was and that shows on the boards. And the man's hustling his ass off. Like He is trying to earn this roster spot as much as possible you know he's not walking in with the whole nepotism angle of going like all right my uh, little brother is the face of this franchise um i'm gonna get a roster spot like no he is acting like he has no ties to this organization and he is trying his hardest to prove himself out there i want to see him in more extended minutes because we've seen him 16 minutes and 20 minutes but i got to say 16 points in 16 minutes game one Great to see. And then in game two, he, the first half, he was 0 for 1, 0 points. Second half, ended up with 10 points, like two steals, five-ish rebounds, two, uh, like two assists or something like that. He's very active. He's very team-oriented, which I also love to see. And let I'll just be completely honest. I don't want to hate on James Booknight. I know Coop is not here to defend his boy. James Booknight? Uh, I i've recently discovered that he has a nickname of off night um like you know he's having an off night james book has been ball hogging on levels that are unbeknownst to man at times like dribbling out the shot clock with no awareness and he has to put it up from like 30 feet as jello is standing wide open in the corner And Jello's not pouting about it. He's not going, look, giving Booknight a stare like, what are you doing? He's putting his head down, running back on defense. He's doing everything I would love to see Jello do. I have no complaints about Jello. I think he's getting the most out of his abilities. And I think it's awesome to see James Booknight not trying to hate on the man. You know, we see this with rookie guards, especially. Rookie point guards, especially if you're a scoring guard, sometimes they have a rough go in summer league. Trey Young was famously horrible. You know, he shot like 30%. So it happens. But what the whole point I'm trying to make out of that is that if he's playing with, uh, you know, LaMelo, he's playing with a, you know, pass for like a pass, just a team that can pass <laughs> or in a team concept, he'll get more open looks. He'll get more, you know, chances to get, uh, you know, some wide open shots. That's, you know, if he is on the actual NBA roster playing, but I'm
0: impressed by him. I was impressed, for sure. Uh, Definitely. I'm, first of all, very happy that he got his opportunity, and two, I, once again, like, I think this is something that needs to be hammered into people's heads. Like, it is Summer League. I know it's exciting to watch these rookies play, but at the end of the day, it's just Summer League. I remember, if you want to see a trip, go watch Markel Fold's Summer League highlights, and it'll blow your freaking mind. Like, the guy was absolutely carving it up his jump shot looked fine like everything was great um so again it is summer league it is an improvement in Leangelo ball's stock and value i do think that there's a chance that he gets picked up by the hornets possibly um And uh, in terms of James Booknight, I'm not going to rule him out automatically. I really want to see his fit next to LaMelo Ball before we make any judgments on him. Um, A player that I've been extremely, extremely impressed with is Scotty Barnes. And another player that is, I don't know about you, but completely blowing me away and honestly if I didn't, like, I- I've honestly been slacking on this because I feel like this guy deserves a video because he has been so remarkable, is Jalen Green. Like, have you, like, watch Jalen Green's first summer league game highlights. I, 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 I was mesmerized by the type of, like, jump shots this guy was making. I'm not calling him Michael Jordan, but some of his jump shots, like, were Jordan-esque. He was, like, literally drifting away, like, baseline in front of uh, in front of players' faces, hitting the most difficult jump shots I've ever seen. That I, with all due respect, like, I don't think he has any business making until at least his fifth or sixth year in the NBA. Like, it was that remarkable. I am just Genuinely blown away by the number two pick in this year's NBA draft. I knew he was a great scorer coming in. I had no idea that like his performance just jaw dropped, honestly. And this is one of those drafts that I'm excited about because I said early on Cade Cunningham is a fantastic prospect as well. And these two players, I don't think this is going to be a year where the number two picks a bust. I like I hope I don't jinx it, but I don't think this is a year where one of those two players are going to be a bust history. Uh, historically, the number two pick hasn't been as good I as the would number say. one I'll pick. go pick. as far as say Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, I don't think. Well, like recently it's been better, you know, like you had Zion Williamson and John Morant, you um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Last year James Wiseman's way too young to like really determine that, but yeah, I'm, in this yeah, instance historically
1: like, though you're definitely correct when you say like the number 2 pick has been it's been rough.
0: Yeah and i love i love the teams that they went to like cade cunningham's really embracing detroit uh, jalen green is a fantastic fit with kevin porter junior and then you have Kev, you have jalen green constantly like jawing like he he's talking smack he's saying that he should have went number 1 overall consistently even after he was drafted like I think this rivalry is going to be awesome. I think we might get a potential Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell like Rookie of the Year race. And I think, honestly, honestly, as mesmerizing as Green has been, typically the player that could score, create his jump shot, and get other get his teammates involved will win. But needless to say, this year's draft is just even Jalen Suggs. Like I, I could went go off. on and on about looked this year's great. draft class. Yeah, you went on. Scotty off.
1: Barnes went. Looks great. Everyone has looked great. I mean Mobley, a little bit underwhelming, but it's hard for, uh, it's harder for centers than, yeah, it's definitely harder for big men because they don't have the ball in their hands. And in the summer league, it's like your guard, your guard situation is so just random. I mean, like, like a lot of times you just have guards out there trying to prove themselves that are looking to score and think that the, you know scoring as much as possible is going to get them, you know, recognition and a contract. Um, in terms of Jalen Green. What I uh, would love to point out is that I would say, you know, the G League, you know, playing on the Ignite seems like it's been a huge success for his offensive game because playing for the Ignite, like you said, the moves that he's coming out with, he's got that little that step. We saw Um, he, he knocked down a three and it was the James Harden where everyone's like, that's a travel, but it's not a travel because there's the gather step, then the two steps. You can't get, you can't do that in college. That is not a move you can do in college. That will be a travel. That will be called in the NCAA. Jalen Green's out here doing it. He has developed pro moves because he's been playing professional basketball in America, all right? So I would say, you know, it's very interesting to see his offensive arsenal coming out of the G League. And yeah, I'm very excited to watch him and Cade go at it. And I also just love, I do love Jalen just like how he just keeps saying like, "I yeah, I should have been the number one pick that I'm going to make the Pistons regret it whenever I play them. Love to hear that. And I just, you know, like we'll see Cade. Cade's more of a chill, calm guy. So like, I don't know if he's going to play into the rivalry. Like, I don't think he's going to jaw back at Jalen, but I love Cade's game too. I mean, he's under control already. He's so poised as such a young player. And I'm watching the man like out here like setting off-ball screens as the number 1 pick in the draft. Like incredible. Like these are these are guys that want to win and this this is gonna be a special draft. It's gonna be a special draft.
0: So are you well? So given what you just said about Jalen Green's development in the uh, G League Ignite, do you take back what you said about the G League Ignite, saying that it was pointless for a high school player to spend like some time on the G League Ignite developing their skill set before they make it into the NBA?
1: I will maintain. I think you should be able to go to the NBA. I will maintain it.
0: All right. All right, I well, just, you know, think, I, I, think I respectfully disagree. I think you disagree. should be
1: allowed to play in the NBA. All right, make your millions. All right, get, and more importantly, get your first four years out of the way so you get mega paid from there. Uh, You know, that speeds up that whole process. And I think the NBA has the best coaching staff, best player development in the world. The G League, you know, they have great player development compared to other programs. But um, at the end of the day, if a team drafts a guy, the G League is there and established to drop him down there anyway. You know, if you draft a guy like Jalen Green and you're like, okay, you know, he's not gonna start this year, like let's develop him in the G League. You still have the opportunity, but I'm sure a guy like Jalen Green would have been probably starting on a team, whatever, whoever drafted him or at least be in the rotation for sure.
0: Um, well, here's the thing. The concern isn't like as like black and white as you think. It's not, oh, let's get this player in the league ASAP so he can make his millions, because that's a good point. It's more of a preventative measure, because if you pay attention, a lot of young rookies recently have been getting injured. Last year, you had James Wiseman and you had LaMelo Ball for a period of time. Um, it's a concern that the speed of the game could be affecting these players entering at such a young age. And by giving them this time off again, also, if you pay attention to Zion Williamson as well, um, if you give them this, like, I guess this, uh, period where they can go learn how to be a professional face off against better competition than high school, but not as crazy competition as the NBA against some ex NBA players, then maybe maybe we could see less injuries we could see more developed players as well that's at least the philosophy behind it from my uh from my perception of things
1: i get it but i also think like the one and done rule was put into place because guys were making horrible financial decisions guys were leaving when they weren't ready and not getting drafted and ruining their basketball careers so i think the nba is at a drastically different point the you know in that sense than it was back then like we saw just a ton of you know early career flameouts. we saw way more often it would be a guy would get a bag and get paid and just suddenly stop playing basketball basically um i think it's just a completely different culture different area i think that high schoolers at this point you know would be fine to play in the NBA. Um, However, like I would, if I had to say like, would I rather the G League than like, you know, go be able to play in the G League than not? Then yeah, I would much rather have the G League uh, because I do, you know, see what it's done for Jalen Green and for Kaminga, who, you know, looked really good in his summer league game too,
0: or games. Mm. Um, So, so I have a question. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Um, given like the rivalry between Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green, who would you give the summer league MVP to so far?
1: Uh, for sure. Jalen so far, but it's been two games, but for sure. Jalen, uh, Cade had a somewhat subpar first game. Jalen's been great in his uh, first two games. Uh, I don't, I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to see who the summer league MVP is because it might not be either of those guys. There's a ton of like there's a ton of talent this year in the summer league. This is actually one of the more talented summer leagues I'd say we've had because a lot of these second year guys, they didn't have a summer league last year. So you've got guys like, um, you know, like Patrick Williams, I've brought him like 20 times, but you got guys like Patrick Williams. He started every game on the bulls last year, you know, and he's playing in the summer league, uh, as the number four pick last the, uh, you know, last draft that, typically you know could happen but like we've seen normally when that happens it's like brandon ingram when he came in played one game in the summer league and then just left you know uh patrick williams is going to be playing like 30 plus minutes a game this entire summer league as are a lot of guys on a lot of other teams that were higher draft picks and guys that got minutes like quickly and Obi topping like i think Obi, you know he didn't play as much but you know quickly played on meaningful minutes on a Knicks playoff team and here we are we see him playing developing which I also love to see I think the summer league kind of had a stigma about it at a certain point in time where people were kind of like oh I don't want to go play in the summer league you know that's a rookie thing to do you know and now teams are really using it to their best of their advantage they're using it i'm using personally my own uh you know chicago bulls like saying patrick williams because i'm watching them i'm a bulls fan so i see what we're doing with that strategy i'm sure the same thing applies to a bunch of teams here but the bulls are putting patrick williams in a completely different position than what he does in the regular season they're having him shoot about 20 times a game they're running him off of pick and rolls they're having him run off handoffs they're also getting him the ball Um, about 10 feet in the basket in like that little bit of like semi post up slash you face up to the basket you could shoot or take a dribble and drive they're getting him the ball in different spots and they are getting him you know comfortable being a guy that is a high volume shooter which he's not comfortable being that's not something that he's been even in college he wasn't that that so um and especially in the nba last year he wasn't that So, uh, you know, a lot of teams are doing that with their young guys and I love to see it. I think the summer league is a great way to get these young guys a lot of confidence going into next year. And it seems like uh, the way that things are trending, like teams are gonna use this more and more. And plus, basketball at least is still on. At least we have basketball. You know, it gets turned on basketball. It's only been a, a little bit of time since the NBA Finals, but I already miss it, you know sucks the offseason luckily we have a pretty short offseason this year but how about the fact that um how about the fact that i think it's the portland trailblazers have on their roster they were they were starting michael beasley kenneth Fareed, and someone else i texted tom this (laughs) what do you think about that
0: um well Kenneth, it's funny, because Kenneth Farid's agent goes to my gym. Um, it's- <laughs> Did you ask him what went wrong? I mean, it's just the, it's just- Oh,
1: Moutier, was also starting Emmanuel Moudier.
0: Do you remember when he, wow, Moudier was like the number one player in his high school class as well, you know? Bro, um, Kenneth Farid at one point was playing for Team USA. Yeah like it's crazy and he's like 31 and he's playing in the g league i mean the summer league i mean in kenneth farid's case it's just like his skill set is just not necessary anymore yeah became a dinosaur yeah exactly it's really unfortunate but like he kind of came into he already had question marks because he was an undersized power forward and then all of a sudden big men power forwards if they're not able to make three pointers then they're kind of seen as a minor liability you know so that just went against him and uh honestly uh, there's players that have had worse careers Michael Beasley is a very funny case because at this case why would and we have to also talk about Isaiah Thomas by the way but in this case yeah let's, um, let's
1: wrap up with that
0: yeah in this case, the last team Michael Beasley played for was the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't really know what he's going for at this point. Does he need a bag? Like, what are his career earnings um, for? I remember like in- Fareed had
1: a good contract. I'm, I was actually just looking at this. He had, Keith Fareed's made 57 mil. So these guys just probably just wanna, you know, play bed. Uh, basketball at the highest level, I'm guessing, like at this point. I mean, also keep in mind that playing for the summer league Michael Beasley's made less than Ken Freed. He made Ken thirty-three million, million,
0: dude. Oh my God! Michael Beasley um,
1: never got that contract. He never, you know, he did not get a contract. Uh, his highest-paid season was literally his fourth season on his rookie deal for the number two pick.
0: Uh, that's, uh, I that's would, tough. you know, if I, if I'm Beasley, I would like consider going into media or something like that like a podcast or something like that but yeah that was really interesting i don't really know what their angle is at that point michael i never really understood why michael beasley wasn't really getting contracts i just think maybe it's just what it's because i mean didn't practice that's that's why i for sure work
1: ethic was like all-time low yeah that's what i see
0: oh my god that's such a shame because like yes exactly that's why like
1: i can't really feel bad for the man like there wasn't an injury yeah, i don't feel it wasn't as bad that. it was literally he had all the natural talent and he smoked it away
0: and and like you could tell that like lebron james has a soft spot for him because like <laughs> he, like he was part of one of bronze uh miami heat teams he was part of like uh, he was sent packing uh, to get lebron yeah, and then he was brought back.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying, yeah, LeBron's a soft spot for him. He was like, yeah, you know, you were you helped us assemble the uh, the Miami Heat. So,
0: uh I mean, um Yeah, it's a shame. Honestly, some people just don't have work ethic, man, unfortunately, and don't want to tap into their potential. I actually called out Ben Simmons for this, but I don't want to go back down the Ben Simmons rabbit hole. Um, I wanted to talk to you, man. Like On Instagram, I was scrolling the other day and I've seen a lot of Isaiah Thomas rumors, right? I've heard this one rumor that the Celtics might be interested in bringing him back, which would be really cute because you also have Al Horford there and Brad Stevens is the new GM and whatnot. And it's a move that I never quite understood that why they didn't make make it in the beginning. But dude, Isaiah Thomas has been killing it on the pro-am circuit. He dropped 81 points recently. And then there's this like one clip of him like holding a basketball or uh, I don't remember or like he was just crying into his arms. And he uh, and he was pretty much saying, like, these people all gave up on me. And he's like crying and you just can't help but like genuinely feel so bad for for that man, because he's a man that like obviously the business of basketball is so tough and so terrible sometimes but he's a guy that literally was so close to cashing in some things just didn't go right and at a snap of a finger like everything was taken away from him and he's made just one million more than michael Beasley throughout his career so it's really it's just so sad you know yeah he was he was
1: Yep, That one, if if his contract year was in the right season, he would have gotten paid a lot, you know, Uh, a max, you know, he was what, something like third or fourth in MVP voting. That one, the, his one. Uh, Fifth. He was fifth. Fifth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that is and like,
0: it's, it's rough to
1: see. It's sad. It's, it's sad to see, but it's also inspirational to see because this is a man that's just never giving up um yeah he dropped 81 he did it in in kobe's shoe and like you know Kobe shoes too which is awesome you love to see it R.I.P. black mamba um i mean isaiah thomas if you look at his twitter first of all I, you haven't even mentioned you know he's been linked to the lakers
0: yeah i was i was gonna bring that up yeah, next yeah. he but, um he's
1: been linked to the lakers he, he, but so he's been saying you know slow grind he's been saying stuff like you know Uh, he's, he's healthier than ever. And he's out there trying to prove it. And I'm actually really surprised. No one has pulled the trigger and, you know, given him a shot yet at this point. um, I know that he played, uh, he played three games with the Pelicans. Okay. And didn't play that well, but that was, I mean, that was back in April. So, I mean, I don't know, like, I mean, is the sad truth that he just isn't, Good enough? I don't know. Because at this point, he's dropping crazy high points in these pro-am games. I don't know who he's playing against. I mean, level of competition might not be there. I mean, I I don't know.
0: I'll tell you what it is. Um, a lot of people say like D uh offensively or like he's injured or something like that, and he hasn't been the same since his hip injury. I don't think it's that at all. If you look at like his statistics when he was with the Boston Celtics and even earlier on in his career, he wasn't nearly the defensive liability that he is now. And I think it's because at the time, Brad Stevens did a wonderful job, like either assigning like maybe Avery Bradley or like another player on to um, whoever uh, Isaiah Thomas had to guard. And just game planning around Isaiah Thomas's defensive inadequacies pretty efficiently. And then on top of that, offensively, Isaiah Thomas was just a beast. So uh, as a result of that, he crushed it in 2016 and 2017. Then you take him out of like a system that was literally created for him, where he was the face of the franchise, and you ship him to Cleveland, where he has to now be like, it's like the way LeBron James led teams typically operate it's not like how the spurs operate it's not like how the celtics operate or how the jazz operate it's very simple you're running five out with lebron james you know like very simple so that didn't work out at all you know he got exposed defensively it only took 15 games for lebron to say "Uh uh-uh you know like this is not gonna work so as a result, like he went from team to team to team. His next best opportunity was with the rebuilding Lakers, again, exposed defensively, not like he had the greatest team built around him, but still exposed defensively. Then he became a journeyman that didn't really play much for the Denver Nuggets, the Washington Wizards, and most recently the Pelicans. So I under uh, my question is like, I don't understand why the Celtics never re-signed him. Why wouldn't you resign him? Like, the Celtic fans would love that signing. You don't even have to pay him that much. It's a veteran minimum. Have him sit on your bench. You know, like, he doesn't have to do anything. Even if he did have Kyrie Irving, like, why not? What does he sign him now, too?
1: Like, like also, that would go a long way, I think, to repairing um, any animosity that players potentially have towards the Celtics because, you know, a lot of players, like, that's bit that was a thing that like the Celtics did Isaiah Thomas dirty and uh a lot of players felt, you know, wrong like they just didn't like it. And when you're when you're looking at Boston as a free agent destination, with things like that, players take that into mind. They're like, Okay, like how how is this team gonna treat me while I'm there? Signing Isaiah just seems like a home run. It's just like Like you said, like he doesn't even need to play. Like, if he is able to play, if he's able to contribute for you, amazing, great. Like, if he's able to come in and be your eighth man, if he can, you know, do that, that's great. If he's your 12th man, that's okay too. Like, that roster spot isn't exactly like, I mean, it's a 12th, 13th, 14th man. Why wouldn't you just take him? fans would every everyone would be happy who would not be happy about
0: the, 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 his teammates would be happy like yeah like everything, everyone would like, be- everyone would be yeah it's like, so like that's what I don't under that's why I don't understand I sometimes wonder if like something went on behind the scenes or something of that sort because at the end of the day I do understand it's a business and you know you have to sell high on Isaiah Thomas's value and then trade him for Kyrie Irving I understand that was a great opportunity but now you have an opportunity to bring him back for, like, nothing. And I don't understand why they never really tried to do that. It would go a long way in making uh, other players, like you said, not feel like the Boston Celtics would screw <laughs> screw them over if given the opportunity. And uh, I think it would just be a huge boost to the locker room. Like, I know we don't talk football on this podcast, but I'm sure you know who Aaron Rodgers is. Um, he recently had this thing where um, – He can't, you know, who Aaron Rodgers is, right? Yes, of course. Uh, I was like, Yeah, you give me this look. I'm like, Uh, so like, he recently had this entire like beef with the Green Bay Packers. Basically, he wanted to be a bigger part of uh, personnel decisions, and uh, the Packers. Weren't doing that, so after four months of drama and drama and drama, and some schmuck named microphone making NFL news videos on it, um, he came in and pretty much destroyed the Packers in a press conference, in which he said, "Like, look, over the years, like there are players on our team that you know may not be the players that they once were." you know, may not be as productive as they once were, but they were huge contributors to a positive atmosphere in a locker room where other players would look up to those players, seek out advice and counsel from those players, increase, more or less, increase team chemistry. And the fact that you weren't really willing to spend like $2 million or $3 million to, you know, retain players like Julius Peppers or Charles Woodson or Jordy Nelson, and those are the examples he gave, Just uh, despite Aaron Rodgers saying that they should have is a huge reason why he was frustrated. And I think the same thing is going on here with the Boston Celtics. Like you could spend a million dollars, two million dollars or, you know, three million dollars on a veteran minimum contract for Isaiah Thomas. Bring him back. The Celtics are literally like currently trending downwards. They need any morale boost that they possibly could get in that locker room. You know, Jalen Brown's coming off of an injury, you know uh you just moved on from Kemba Walker. You're bringing back Al Horford. You're going through a huge transition, which by the way, do we even know, do they announce who their head coaches yet? Oh, email Yudoka. Okay. So like you have a brand yeah. So you have a brand new head coach who used to play in the NBA. Why not bring him back? You know, if anything, it'll just make everyone happier and feel better. It'll be just like the old days at the very worst. Yeah, you'll be like a sixth seed or a fifth seed, but your players will be happy. I hope he gets I hope that happens, to be honest. Over him joining the Lakers.
1: I yeah, I same. I mean, I just hope nothing for the best, nothing but the best for Isaiah Thomas. And also, you know, the man loves to play basketball and he ha- he's so passionate about the game like you you see that with like you know those tears you see that with him just like that is a straight passion for the game that's a guy you want you said in your locker room that's the guy you want at, in practices pushing your younger guys showing them what it's like to work showing them what it's like to improve as a basketball player the type of work ethic it takes You know, he is an inspirational story. He suffered multiple injuries, and the fact that he's still able to play in the NBA, that's a great guy to have on your roster. It doesn't make a lot of sense that they wouldn't just sign him. I don't get it. I mean, seems like a home run, but I guess we'll see.
0: I personally really resonate with it because I kind of had a very similar moment in my life when I uh, wasn't able to make it through dental school I like sat down at the floor of my New York apartment. I was like crying like crazy because bear in mind I'm like a 25 year old. I you don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah, I lived in New York for like we four months as I was pursuing. <laughs> this is way before you. Uh, like I was work- This is way before um, like YouTube took off for me. Um, at the time, I tried YouTube. Um, had marginal success i was pulling like five to ten thousand views i had a hundred thousand subscribers but it was a dead channel um i remember i was like sitting on the floor and my brother asked me why i was crying and i like looked at him and i was like i'm 25 i don't have a purpose you know thankfully things look you know like girlfriend ghosted me at the time um not to get too personal about it but uh i really resonate with isaiah thomas's story and i feel like things are going to look up for him hopefully we for
1: you, Isaiah. All right, guys. I think that is a great time to wrap up this episode of Laced Up. We might have set a time record with this one without Coop, which is kind of funny. We're at least close to our longest podcast ever. Um, could,
0: um, before we go, uh, could I give a shout out to our uh, most recent Laced Up mem- uh, Laced Up Gold members? Shout out to Ethan Rise. Danny from LA, Matthew De Stefano, Kevin Schwartz, Onala T, Clifford Johnson, Zach Talks NBA, Off The Bench TV, and Ray Gian, Thank you so much for going the extra mile to support us further. And we look forward to seeing you guys in those live streams.
1: We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for joining us members. You know, we, we're hoping to build a long lasting community here for sure. So yeah, we're very excited to continue to live stream, continue to grow. Excited to keep on uh, just pumping out content, especially with the new NBA season coming up with this off season winding down a bit. And so remember, subscribe, turn on post notifications because at 40,000 subscribers, we're giving away a PS5 or an Xbox Series X and check us out on iTunes and Spotify. We're also there and it would be awesome if you give a review, you know, tell us what you think about the podcast. You have any uh, final thoughts, Mike?
0: Nah, man, we're laced up and we're out.